This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. I was thinking about uh, really the last two songs that we just sang. Um, you know, when, when, when we read in the scripture, anyone who, who catches more of God's glory um, doesn't remain the same afterwards. Uh, Moses is like, God, show me your glory. And God's like, hey, buddy, you won't make it. Like, my glory is so much, you will literally die if you see my glory. Um, he's like, so I'll, I'll cover your face, and then I'll show you just, like, the backside of me. And even then, Moses is glowing so much that the people are like, what's happened to you? And you got Isaiah who sees the, the glory of God, and the words out of his mouth next are, I'm done. Like, woe is me. I am ruined. Um, because he sees the glory of God, and he instantly knows I am not glorious, right? You got Paul who, who sees the glory of Jesus and is blinded, right? His life is radically transformed. You got John in Revelation that, that sees the glory of God and, and can't even really put words to it. He's just stunned by the holiness. Just as we were singing um, that song, the, the song, second to the last song there, I was just thinking about the glory of God and like, gosh, that is what we, we need. We are... I am, and I think we are so captivated by South by Southwest or the most trend, the next you know trendy thing or what just happened last week or a new film or a new song, a new album released or new food or something. We just we're so easily captivated by things of this world that are meant only to point to a greater glory and holiness. And 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 then I think that we we just we 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 lose something in knowing the nearness and the, the, the realness of, of God. Like I just, I just think that we, I, I don't know, like I'm just, I'm, this is real time processing, like there's no script here. This is just me thinking through like, man, I just feel like there's a, there's a disconnect. We're so focused here that we miss this and then our lives really miss out on what we're created for like God the God of the world the God who created everything if this God is real which I believe he is I I think probably most of us do if this God is real the one who spoke everything into existence and sustains the whole world with his with his will and with his power if this God is real and then this holy God chose to become a man to live among us because we screwed things up and so he's like I'll come fix what you broke I'll live as one of you and I'll take your sins on me on the cross and I'll die for the sins of the world and then I'll I'll raise from the dead because I'm God and I don't die and then I'll ascend to heaven if this God is really still alive that should grip our lives completely like it should undo us it should just compel us and I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'll be the first one in line to say, man, I am way too often just really kind of complacent and casual and, you know, that's great, but yeah, ho-hum about it. I mean, this is the glory and holiness of God. He's invited us into a real relationship with the living God of this world. I think I just a lot of times don't live like God is alive. Like he, he's near to us or something. Like he's just some historical figure like Abraham Lincoln who lived at one point, but but now we just read about him and study him in books and stuff, but we don't really like know God like he's alive, but God is alive. So that should transform everything about us. And I'll just be the first to say that, man, I, I think my life needs a lot more transformation. If, if this God is who he says he is, I sure do live like he's not a lot of times. And so I think that's just my, my hope for us. My prayer for us is that God will awaken our sleepy, 
drowsy, foggy selves to see his glory, to see his, his holiness, and that in spite of the fact that we are not glory and holiness, still he loves us and came near to us and invites us in, um, and that that will just transform us. That is not out of Mark 11, um, which is where we're gonna be today. Those were just thoughts as we were, were singing, uh, but we are gonna be in Mark chapter 11, and, and again, we're not turning and opening a textbook here. We're opening the words of God written to us as if I wrote you a letter and gave it to you, you'd be like, oh, these are Corey's words, just in written form, right? These are God's words in written form given to us through other people. So if I have Charlie, I'm like, hey, Charlie, write this for me and then give it to Stephen. And, and, and Charlie writes it down, but then gives it to Stephen. Stephen still knows it's from me, even though Charlie wrote it with his hands. That's what we have in the Bible. God's words given to us. He just had human people write it down for him put it on paper for us, but these are God's words, and Hebrews says that his words are alive and active, just like he is alive and active, and we're meant to read these, not like, okay, God, tell me how to live life, but God, how do I know you? Let me know you first, and then you tell me what to do, not just like, let me have my blueprint for life, but God, let me know you. You, you are everything. This is to know you, so that's our aim, is to know who is God, what's his character, and then how does he tell me to live in response to that? And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 25, um, but I want to start with some song lyrics that, that Stephen, he introduced uh, me to a song today. You've probably heard it before, um, but I'm always a couple steps behind, uh, and so Stephen always sends us some new songs, and I'm like, sweet, that one was, that one was rad. Um, it's a song from Elevation Church, and, and part of the lyrics say this, um, you heard your children then, you hear your children now. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You were providing then, and you are providing now. You moved in power then, God move in power now. So from the song, same God from Elevation Church, he's the same God that was the God here, is the same God today. And I think most of us would read those lyrics and go, yeah, I believe that. I believe that to be true, that, that God's the same yesterday as he is today, but I don't, I don't actually know that I have a very active faith in that. I think I believe it to be true. Yes, God is the same, but do I trust that to be true? Do I really believe that the God who did miracles then is the God that does miracles today? Do I really believe that the God who spoke to his children then is the God who speaks to us today? that speaks to me? Do I really believe that the God who, who provided for the needs of people then is going to provide for my needs today? Or do I believe, I mean, that's true, but ultimately live like I gotta take care of myself. That when I pray, I don't really expect to hear back. It's just kind of like a one-way thing. I think I believe these things to be true, but, but I don't always trust them. I don't always have faith in them. And that's Jesus' point today in Mark 11. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, the God who can do the impossible. Have faith in him. Live today with a faith in God. So let's read Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. 
That's our main point today. Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So we see in verse 20 that Jesus and his, his crew are heading back into Jerusalem from Bethany. Right, if we go back one verse to 19, when evening came, they went out of the city. They were in Jerusalem. Best we know, they're going back to Bethany. They're just making this trek in and, in and out of town, right? It's like living on the outskirts of town and driving into Austin, right? Work ends, you head back home the next day, up and at it, driving on back in, right? So they're, they're heading back into Jerusalem from Bethany, and, and they see the fig tree that they saw the day before. And, and, and but what they see were... were the day before they're walking and they see a tree full of green leaves, they see nothing but, but just kindling wood. Like it is rotted, it is withered down to the roots, completely dead, just barren, dead kindling wood. Right? And I'm no, no like tree expert, arborist, I think might be the name. Um, I'm no arborist, thank you. I got a little nod over there, I appreciate that. Um, I'm no arborist, but I don't think that's how trees die. Like, I don't think one day you see a tree full of green leaves and the next day it's just completely dead down to the roots. I, I think, y'all can correct me, I think it typically takes a little bit longer for trees to, to die and wither down to the roots. Typically it's a prolonged season, right, of, of lack of nourishment or or some other disease or something, right? But, but they see something that is truly stunning and surprising. This tree that yesterday was full of leaves, today is withered down to nothing but dead branches, down to the roots. There's no life left in it, and they're surprised by it. Peter's like, Rabbi, teacher, <laughs> hark, look at that tree. Yesterday it had all the green leaves, and today it's dead. There's nothing there. Matthew says they marveled at this just miraculous sign. They're like, what in the world? And I read this and I'm like, why are they surprised? At this point, they've seen Jesus feed over 5,000 people with a couple fish and some bread. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus tell the storms what to do. They've seen Jesus give sight to a blind guy. They've seen Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. They've seen Jesus cast out demons after demons after demons. They've seen Jesus heal a woman who's been bleeding for over 10 years. They've seen Jesus do the impossible. Why in the world are they surprised by this? Right? Why would they marvel at a single tree that went from life to no life. They, they've literally seen everything. And, and best I can, I can gather is that Peter and the disciples are still a work in progress. Which is good news because I'm still a work in progress. Like I feel a sense of encouragement, like they're walking with Jesus and yet they see a tree withered up and they're like, oh my goodness, 
How did that happen? Jesus? How did that happen, Jesus? You know, like you would think the lights would come on at this point. Praise God, though, in his incredible grace and patience, right? Because if, if there's still a work in progress, that gives us some, some grace. It's okay for us to still be a work in progress. But, but what I think that, that they just still don't get yet, which I think is true of us, I, I think that they still don't quite get, they're still figuring out that a life lived by faith in God is tangibly, truly, really different than the life they lived without a faith in God. That a life lived with faith in God is not just some like good, good feelings that we're able to muster up by positive thinking. It's not just a way of thinking that makes us feel strong to take on the day. But a life lived by faith in God is tangibly, truly, actively different in this world. I think they're still figuring that out. That it really is something different. That the impossible truly is possible with God. That that what is supernatural is just natural for God. Right, think about this. What if the things that Jesus does that we call miracles, he's like, man, that's just a Monday. That's just, that's just a Tuesday, you know? Like, no big deal. Because what's impossible for, for us is totally possible for God. What's supernatural for us is totally natural for God. And I think, the, I think they're still figuring that out. Like, oh my gosh, I think he's for real. Like, what? There's nothing impossible for God. Now, I think our challenge today in 2022 in in Austin, Texas, in the United States of America is do we really believe this? Like, I think we believe it, but like, do we really believe it? So much so that our lives actively demonstrate that we, we believe God does the impossible, that God does miracles in this world. So how do we see that happen? How do, how do we see God do the miraculous in our lives? How do we see the supernatural break into our natural world and tangibly change things around us? I, I believe we all want to know. Even if we're just witnesses, I, because we all like a show, we all like something. Like I, I believe we want, okay, so God, how does this happen? How do we see a fig tree withered in less than 24 hours? And so Jesus, answering the surprise of Peter, answering what would be our surprise if we saw a tree in our front yard that was full of life wake up the next day and it's fully dead, we'd be like, what just happened? Jesus answers Peter's surprise and he says this, have faith in God. How do you see a fig tree withered in less than 24 hours? Have faith in God. How do you see people fed, over 5,000 people with food that can maybe feed one? You have faith in God. How do you see the blind given sight? We have faith in God. Have faith in God. The command here is to hold on to faith. The Greek word for faith here, it's it's a noun, is the Greek word pistis. Jesus says, hold on to faith. 
But we see later, right, if we keep reading and you see the word believe given in verse 23, you see the word believe given in verse 24, those are the same root word just in verb form. In the Greek, it's the, it's the pist, pistus. It's the same Greek word. So you could read this, and Jesus says in verse 20, 22, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but you could take out the word believes and put, has faith in God, that what he says will come to pass, it will be done to him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, have faith in God that you have received it, and it will be yours. The, the, the Greek word, the emphasis that Jesus is saying to, to connection to this miracle is have faith in God, to trust God. Now this, this word faith we've talked about is a, is a tricky word because I think that you and I can believe that God can do miracles but not have faith that God can do miracles. I think we can believe that God can do all things, but not truly have faith that God can do all things. Or when we read that nothing is impossible with God, my guess is most of us would say, yeah, I believe that to be true. But then when faced with an impossibility in our lives, do we really trust that God can do the impossible? I'll give you an example from, from my life. Um, when I was in college, I remember going through the book of Isaiah. Um, I decided I was just gonna read from chapter one, verse one, to chapter, mm-hmm, verse end. Um, you know, the one at the end of the book. Uh, and so I just said, I'm reading, I remember one day being on the pavilion um, at Texas A&M University, Gigamags, whoop. Um, I remember being in the pavilion and I was reading through Isaiah and I came across Isaiah 43.1. I still, I can see myself at the table eating my breakfast while reading Isaiah 43 verse one. And it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The command is to fear not, do not be afraid, God says, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And then he goes into verse two, and he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So God says, don't be afraid. I will be with you. The command is don't be afraid in any circumstance. I will be with you. Now you and I, we've all had you know, fires and trials in life. We've all had seasons where it's like, man, the waves just keep crashing over me. Right, it's just hard, and, and I'm kind of afraid of what's next. I'm kind of afraid of what's around the corner. Like, what if this goes poorly? Well, what, if, what if the sickness comes back? What if this person takes off? What if the job falls apart? And we've been afraid, and yet God commands us, don't be afraid. I, I, I'm with you. And so now, do me something. Imagine a scenario right now that, that causes fear in your life. Go ahead and imagine it. I, I know what mine is. Imagine this scenario that, that honestly you would be afraid of happening. 
Now imagine that God himself is literally just right there with you. I mean, just got his arm around you. Does it feel more comforting when you, when you can think like, okay, God, God is with me. Like, God is with me. The, the God of the world, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who can conquer everything, the God who can do the impossible, that God is literally with me in this scary situation. Like that, I believe that to be true, but then when fear takes over, it's not that I don't believe it to be true, it's just that I've now stopped trusting it to be true. I believe God is with me in all things, in those scary situations, but the only reason fear would control me and overrule me is that I don't actually trust that God is actually with me. Is that making sense? I can believe it cognitively, but if fear is controlling me, I'm not trusting that God is with me. I'm not having active faith in that moment. Belief believes something to be true, but doesn't require an action. Faith believes it to be true, but then moves with action afterwards. I've given the illustration of the chair many times. I can believe it to be engineeringly, engineeringly sound. That's not a word, just roll with me. I can believe it to hold me up, but faith then actively sits in it and lifts my feet off the ground. I stop trusting in myself and I start trusting in the chair. I can believe God can do the impossible, but to have faith that God can do the impossible is going to walk into the impossible, trusting that God can do that. And so Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in him. So what's the action then that would follow our faith in God? When faced with an impossible situation, what's the action that follows faith in God? Now we may read verse 23 because it comes next in order and go, aha, the action says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. And my action has no doubt in my heart, but believes that what I say will come to pass and it will be done for me. So we might look at it and say, faith in God means that I'm gonna approach the impossible and I'm gonna stand tall and I'm gonna muster up enough courage and belief in my heart and I'm gonna push out all doubt. I'm not gonna have any doubt. I'm gonna believe that this is going to happen and when I believe enough, when I just have enough belief, then by golly, it's gonna happen. That's what I do when I have faith in God. I just believe that what I say, what I speak, what happens is gonna happen. And there's a lot of people that believe that. That if we just have enough belief, if we just believe in ourselves, if we just believe in the things around us, if we push out all doubt, then we can conquer the world. It was, uh, I think it's the theologians, uh, Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Yeah who wrote, there can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve when you believe. Somehow, you will when you believe. I would sing it, but their register is a little higher than mine. And I don't wanna do a disservice to their beautiful song. But come on, I mean, this is such like modern belief at this point. There will be miracles when you believe, Stephen. 
You just gotta believe. Somehow, some way, when you believe and you, you push out, it's in the Bible, right? When I, when I push out all doubt and I believe, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can start in the NBA if I just believe enough. If I push out all doubt and haters, Pop's gonna call me up. I'm gonna be starting five here pretty soon. He's gotta believe enough. But this verse 23 is not the action that follows faith. The action that follows faith is verse 24. 23 is what follows the action of prayer, which is the action of faith. When I have faith in God, verse 24, therefore I tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Verse 23 is what follows a prayer of faith. Verse 23, the commanding the mountain to be, look look at the verbs of that, right? Be taken up, be thrown into the sea, it will be done for you. Those are all passive verbs. That means the person commanding the mountain to be moved is not the one actually moving the mountain. It's being moved by someone else. It's being moved by the God who placed the mountain there in the first place and could at any point move the mountain that he placed there. Well, how do you have the confidence to command a mountain to be moved by God? Do we just get to tell God, like, hey, you're my genie in a bottle. I'd like for you to move this mountain now, please. And I believe in all my heart for it to happen. So therefore, God, you must move this mountain because I'm doing what verse 23 tells me to do. Verse 23 that commands God to take up the mountain and move it because they're passive verbs. The mountain's being moved. The miracle's being done by somebody else, not by us, not by my belief in myself. That comes because someone has sat in prayer in verse 24 and learned that it is God's will to move the mountain and therefore we have the confidence to tell the mountain to be moved because God has already said it's going to be moved. We have the confidence to declare a fig tree to be withered because we've done verse 24, which is come to God in prayer and discern and listen for his will. And if it's God's will for it to happen, it will happen. Therefore, we can tell the fig tree to be withered. We can tell a mountain to be moved. We can tell a dead girl to raise up because what God says he will do, he will do. But the action of faith is not my own determination, the action of faith is that I go to God in prayer and I trust him. I listen for his will and his voice. So what is prayer? Prayer is connecting and communicating with God. Prayer is connecting and communicating with God. It's not just communication, but it's also a connection. When I communicate with someone, there's a connection occurring. So it's, it's, it's connecting with God. It's how we know God. It's how we grow in love with God. It's how we learn what he loves and his will. It's how we connect and communicate with God. And prayer is the action of faith. 
Prayer is the action of faith. And when we connect with God and we communicate with God, we can ask him, God, can we, can we move this mountain? But then we listen for his will, and if God says yes, then we can walk forward in confidence with no doubt in our hearts because God has said yes. That's a faith-filled prayer. A lot of times we want to come to God in prayer and we just want to lay out our list. Hey God, I would like a new truck, please. And if you could give it a three-inch lift and some big tires. Right, like we want to come and bring our list. God, I would like this new job. God, I would like to have a baby or three. God, I would like to, and we bring our request to God and listen, that's okay. It's totally okay to go ask God for a truck. You're now seeing into my prayer life as we're, as we're talking and I'm, true story, right? That's okay, that's okay. But a prayer of faith, a prayer that believes is one that, that believes in God's response, that trusts in God's response, that has faith in God's response. So you can ask, God already knows your heart anyway. We don't have to like ask, act like it's not there. He knows it. So let's ask him for it, but then let's sit and wait and listen for his response. God, I'd like to have a truck. Maybe he says yes and does some miracle. Maybe he's like, yes, go ask that dealership to give you one. Would I then have the faith to do so? But maybe God says no. Maybe we, like Paul, ask God to remove the thorn from our side that is tormenting us. God, I don't, I, will you please remove this thorn? It's okay to ask. But the prayer of faith then listens for his response. And it may be that God's response is, no, my grace is enough for you. And then now we move forward in faith without doubt in our hearts. Not in faith that God's gonna remove the thorn, but in faith that his grace will be enough in spite of the thorn. We may ask, like Jesus did, Father, will you let this cup pass? I love that Jesus asked. I love that what his human body wanted, which was not to be crushed on the cross, he asked. And the Father's answer was no. Jesus listened for the will of the Father and then moved forward in faith to the cross. Why? Why can we, why can we listen for his answer and then move forward in that? Because he's a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. But you, whether you have kids or not, you know as well as I do that not every good parent will say yes to every request of their kid. I, just because my, my kids ask for something and I, I may be a good father and I want to give good gifts to them, sometimes, no, you can't just have ice cream for dinner. Right? So, so it's not the best gift. Our father will tell us no sometimes. Do we trust that his answers are good? Do we believe that what he says is what it will be and trust that it will be ours and trust that it is good? 
This is all around faith and trust in God. Do we trust him enough to go to him in prayer? Do we trust him enough to put our requests out there, to communicate with God? Do we trust him enough to be still, sit, and listen? And then do we trust that what he says will come to pass and it is good? If he says that he will do it, that includes the impossible. I think many times I may hear God say something and I'm like, okay, but not really. I, I, I'm still growing in that trust and that faith. This is the way that Jesus leads us into seeing the impossible happen. It starts with a faith in God. That faith moves us to prayer where we communicate with God. We listen for his will. James 4 says that we, we don't receive because we ask with the wrong motivations. So we pray and we ask and we listen for God's will. And then we respond to that in trust, in faith, believing that he will do what he said he will do. That's how we see fig trees wither in 24 hours or mountains moved into the sea because when God says he will do it, he will do it. But do we trust him? Will we walk in that? Will we be a part of that? Jesus ends this section by saying, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Seems like an odd place for that verse. We're talking about prayer and seeing God do the impossible as we pray and we trust him and then he's like, oh, and forgive, forgive so that the Father will forgive you. It's like, okay, that seemed like an abrupt turn if you're asking me. But forgiveness is what the Father has offered us and when we trust Christ, our sins are nailed to him on the cross and our sins are forgiven if we then turn around and don't forgive those around us, we are just like the fig tree who looked it on the outside, but on the inside, we're not genuine. We, we looked like we were following God, but we were unwilling to forgive. It's hypocritical to receive forgiveness, but then not give forgiveness, just like that fig tree. It's hypocritical to receive the forgiveness of God, but not give it, just like those in the temple in the verses right before this. And when we are unforgiving to those around us, we are building an, a wall, an obstacle of sin between us and God. Not that Jesus can't forgive it or hasn't forgiven it, but we are rebuilding an obstacle of sin, a wall of sin that hinders our communication with God. Right? If you and I are talking and then you go and stand on the other side of the wall, our communication is going to be hindered. I'm going to have a harder time hearing you when we sin against God, when we are unforgiving to those around us, we are sinning against him and we are building up a wall, an obstacle that damages that relationship. It's more difficult to communicate and to commune with God. And so this is just one of the ways that we oftentimes struggle to hear God's will because we're holding on to unforgiveness rather than forgiving as he has forgiven us. And so as we pray, when you pray, do you struggle to hear the voice of God? Do you struggle to know what his will is? It could be, I'm not saying that it is, there's other reasons, it could be that there is unforgiveness in your heart towards another. 
and that that is going to build an obstacle and hinder our ability to hear the will of God and to walk in faith to what he's told us to do. So this, this is just a, I mean, there's many reasons and many sins that can do that, but Jesus references this one here, that when we pray, we're to forgive others because unforgiveness is going to hinder our ability to hear God's will for our lives. God is living and active and wants to do for our lives more than we can imagine. Do we have faith in him? If we truly have faith, the action that will follow is prayer. We will come to him. We will commune with him. We will talk with him. We will listen to him. And in that communication of prayer, we will know God's will. And that is where we can move forward in full faith and confidence that he will do what he said he would do. We literally can see mountains taken up and moved if God says, I want to move that mountain. But we've got to trust him and sit in communication with him to know is that his will? Is that his desire for us? I think the hardest part for me, I don't sit still long enough to listen. I like to drop my request off and then get on with life. It makes it really difficult to hear what God's will is for me. It makes it really difficult for me to know what he has for us so I can have faith in that and trust in that. So let's take a minute two, three, five, I don't know. And let's sit and listen in prayer and communication with God. And, and my encouragement is just to ask him, all right, God, what do you have for me? What, what do you want to say to me? Let, let him drive the conversation. If you're like me, you'll have to give it a minute or two because there's going to be like 9,000 distractions and other thoughts just flooding your mind right now. So just give it a second. Just think them out. Move on. And then just be still and, and listen for God's spirit to speak to your spirit. And then the, the application is, do you trust that? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to walk in faith based on what God tells you? That's where we start to see God do things we could never imagine. So let's pray. God, would you speak to us here and now? Would you let us taste and see that you are good? Let us hear your voice, that it would be satisfying to our hearts. God, we believe, but we also need you to help our unbelief. Help us to truly trust you and not lean in our own strength and our own understanding. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.